Most of my work, if not all of my work, is about my own inner child healing. I make the work that I wish I had was as a kid, and I am not a time traveler, and I cannot make that happen. So the next best thing is for me to gift it to today's children. When I was a kid, nobody really talked to me at all about queer people, except maybe to tell me that they were sinful and going to hell. I don't think I really even started to learn about queerness in any way other than negative until I was in high school. And even then, it wasn't exactly what I would call affirming. Times have really changed when it comes to the acceptance of the queer community by the dominant cis-het society that we live in in the U.S. And it has opened the door to having these conversations with kids much earlier and in a much more positive way. The problem is, Since so few of us had a positive introduction to this, there are lots of questions about when and how to have this conversation. You're listening to Camp Wildheart, your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host slash head counselor, Mackenzie Dunham. I've thought a lot about how different my life would be if someone would have talked to me about my sexuality and my gender in a way that helped me understand what I was experiencing when I was younger. I'm not sure there's a ton of value in dwelling on things like that. In fact, as a therapist, I know there's not a ton of value, but I can say with confidence that my life would be different. So now that I'm a parent, I've been very intentional about trying to have these conversations with my own kids so that they can feel as comfortable as one can exploring their own gender and sexuality. I love getting to witness and support them on this journey, but I'm not going to lie. There have been some stumbles along the way. Sometimes my kids say something or they'll ask a question. I just don't know how to answer in a kid-friendly way. Sometimes it was about people in public. Sometimes it was about a word that they heard on YouTube. And even though I answer similar questions day in and day out in my office, I would get tripped up when it came to my own kids. And that's because, despite what some of your emails imply, I am not superhuman. And my clinical brain and my mom brain are actually separate machines. Or at least that's what it seems like most of the time. So when I started out on this journey with my kids, I went looking for a resource to talk to the kids about queerness. I love children's literature. I think it's one of the best tools we have for talking about all sorts of subjects with kids. But this time, I turned to the internet. And that's where I found today's guest. Linz Amer is the founder and CEO of Queer Kids Creative, a digital edutainment company, spreading queer joy and queer-focused intersectional all-ages media. They wrote, produced, and co-host Queer Kid Stuff, an original LGBTQ plus educational web series for ages three and up for four seasons and over 50 episodes. They perform QKS music and stories at schools, museums, libraries, local LGBTQ plus community centers all over the country. They also produce and host a family-friendly podcast called Activist You, where they explore social justice topics through interviews with kids and youth activists, and they just launched a new podcast called Rainbow Parenting. Their work has been featured by Good Morning America, Kids Screen, NBC Out, Teen Vogue, Shondaland, and Parents Magazine, among other publications. And I first came across them when I watched their TED Talk about why kids need to learn about gender and sexuality, which has been viewed almost three million times. You should check it out because it's seriously, I don't know too many TED Talkers where they sing to the audience with the ukulele, but Linz does. They're truly the expert in this very unique field. 
So, thanks for coming. Thank you for being here. I'm super excited. Can you just start by telling us about queer kid stuff and like how it came to be and what it, what it is and why everybody should know about it because it's amazing. Yeah, for sure. Um, hi everyone. I'm Linz. <laughs> uh, you might know me as the creator of Queer Kid Stuff, and Queer Kid Stuff is uh, I think I like to call it like queer theory meets Mister Rogers. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it started as uh, a little web series that I just kind of made with a couple of my friends in 2016, and it hit a nerve and kind of took off from there uh it really started so kind of backing up from that i come from theater for young audiences so that's kind of my background i studied that in at in undergrad at northwestern and they have a really strong tya program there and i just kind of fell in love with it and started pursuing it as like a craft as a potential career path and did a bunch of internships and did a lot of student theater and was also starting to take queer theory at the time and one and like figuring myself out just like a little tiny bit at the time <laughs> and just kind of like looked back at the craft that I was developing and like my identity and how that was developing and like wondered why those two things couldn't talk to each other and was starting to look around in the theater space and saw oh there's no queer story telling for kids in theater. I wonder if it's elsewhere. Um, it wasn't. So <laughs> except for like uh, Princess Bubblegum and Marceline and Adventure Time, that was like really it. And then like that obviously birthed Steven Universe. And that came out when I was in college. And I was like, Oh, my God, something. Um, but yeah, so I, I tried doing that in theater and to um, very small degree of success and was really frustrated with that space. And when I went to do my a year for my MA out in London, I just like traveled a bunch and was really homesick and watched a lot of queer YouTubers and realized that that was a publicly available platform where kids were there already and educational content was there already. And I was like, why don't I try this digital media thing? Cause theater clearly is not working. So I just kind of, I came home from London and grabbed a couple of friends and like my mom had a free studio space we could shoot it and i like got a camera off of a dslr off of ebay that's amazing <laughs> and just cut and like grabbed my like childhood teddy bear because i was like that's weird for me to just stand in front of a camera and talk to kids like as a grown-up <laughs> like that's weird um and i was also really we tried that and it was really boring so it needed it needed the child's voice in it right to like ask questions to have conversations to kind of figure out the stuff that we were talking about. So me and my like, he, Teddy's right here behind me. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> uh, and who's my actual childhood stuffed teddy bear and um, very well worn for sure. And I don't even think I wrote a script for the first episode. We were just kind of like spitballing on set. And um, that's kind of how the pilot episode came to be. It was just like a thing that we did. And I was like, let's try it. And that kind of blew up and I uh, got a little bit of grant money and made some more episodes and then got more grant money and made more episodes. And we did that until we had four seasons and over 50 episodes. 
That's amazing. Yeah, it was a wild ride. I did all of the writing. I produced the whole thing, grabbed some friends, like the smallest shoestring budget you could imagine, and really just like on like willpower it exists because uh youtube did not help um it, it really survived off of micro grants and one kickstarter that we did that went pretty decently and uh yeah and then i kind of got tired and <laughs> lost the wind in my sails and um decided to sue youtube with a couple of other people <laughs> <laughs> and also moved and lost my crew and lost my space and just kind of like needed to like take care of myself and figure out who I am like I'm I came out as trans and got top surgery and moved to a different state and like all and got married and all these things so uh no big deal it's just no fun. big like deal. minor life stuff just to, and like a whole pandemic happened that yeah. we're still in the middle of so um, yeah, a lot of stuff has happened since then. And I've been building out queer kids stuff. I do live performances and have been doing those for a really long time. So it's really grown beyond the web series. Um, I've finished up writing a book, a parenting book, which is wild for Macmillan. It's going to come out uh, May of 2023. Oh my was, God, I'm so excited. It's going to, yeah, I'm, it was a an absolute slog to write, but I think it's going to be worth it. Um, I also sold a picture book and have been writing freelance for preschool television and have been trying to do a lot of stuff in, more in the mainstream space, as well as kind of cultivating the small business and community spaces and starting my own podcast, which uh, I'm excited to chat with you about. It's been a lot of stuff and I feel like I'm kind of like slowly coming back into like the public sphere while I've been doing a lot of this work kind of like internally and like behind the scenes. And I'm excited to like rebirth from my cocoon out into the world. And I've had a little bit of a taste of it. And I think I've got a little bit of a harder shell um, from the harassment. I There was like some real trauma that happened there. So um, we we can talk about it or not talk about it. I'm, I, I go either way. But um, yeah, it's been a lot. Yeah. Um, I'll just ask a little bit about the harassment piece. Like I get it too. Um, I think it's, this is one of the things that parents are like often afraid about, right? Like if their kid is publicly trans or if they're coming out and they're being an advocate for their kid, um, that they're going to get targets on their backs, right? So can we just talk for a second about when those things happen? Mm. How do you how do you take care of yourself? That's a great question. So there's there's kind of different answers to this and um one of them is like practical and like here is how you like actually deal with these social media websites and like you can use block lists so take so just like go into your child's account uh, first of all depending on what accounts they have what social media platforms they're on and i'm sure people are being very hopefully being very careful about that with their young people especially queer and trans young people um and going into those accounts and helping your child pick a couple of words, especially if you're seeing um, patterns in your harassment. That's a really important thing to be aware of and to see in your child's um, account. Because um, like you can block emojis. Like I had a wave of harassment come in and people were just putting the clown emoji <laughs> in all of my comments. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to block the cloud emoji. 
<laughs> and then that like helped with that. Um, so getting like a little creative, like different spellings of words is a thing in there. Um, there's uh, different platforms um, have different levels of filters. So Twitter actually, I think has one of the better filters because um, you can put a filter on for quality. You can put a filter on for, you won't get notifications for people you don't follow. Um, or who don't follow you. There's a lot of different like tiers of that. So you kind of have to like go in and see what makes the most sense, but you can use a block list across all social media, pl media platforms. You just have to copy and paste. Um, I would say, so that's kind of like the practical side of things. I also highly recommend if you're, um, if you or your child are any kind of public figure and are a little bit um, more elevated, I would really suggest getting, it's a, it's a service called delete me and it takes your address off of the internet. Like, everywhere like whitepages.com or whatever that is um it's it, it is a little more expensive but if you're at that place and you don't want to get docs your address leaked on the internet um that is a security concern of course um that's a really good thing and that did not exist when i first started things um so that's a really good resource um but in terms of like less on the practical end and more on the emotional end of how you take care of yourself um, logging off is really important. Making sure that you and your kid have a life outside of the internet is really, really important. Um, cultivating things that you can do together that are fun and filling. Um, something that I found, I mean, this is all talking about self-care, right? And talking about self-care, not in the capitalist way. Talking about self-care in the like, um, not necessarily having to go out and buy a face mask, but like taking time for yourself and working on your relationships and, and figuring out like what is, what fills your soul, what fills your spirit. Yeah. What and, brings you joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What brings you joy. Exactly. And, um, that looks a lot of different ways for me and something, especially I've, I've been figuring out a lot of, a lot about my own neurodivergences over the past couple of years, um, uh, going through that Saturn return is so much fun. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> um, bet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, something that's been really important to me as I'm recalibrating some of those things that are spirit filling, joy filling, um, is what energy level I can accomplish um, of those things. So like, I love to cook, but when I'm like in a really low energy state, like we just came, came off of June, right? And June is an a completely hectic month for me every year as like a queer professional person. Right. Pride, and pride, like, pride, pride. Yeah, pride every day, all day. It's, it's a lot. My inbox is still recovering. Um, <laughs> and and like the week after or during pride and like the week even the week after pride i'm like i gotta be at my lowest tier of self-care like activities so like instead of like hopping on my peloton bike for my like exercise and like like help that like helps my brain chemistry and like is joy filling in like a, in a in one way i am gonna go for a walk with my dog instead and like that's the bare minimum that i'm gonna hit or like instead of painting which is something i love to do and like it brings me a lot of joy in like a creative way maybe i'm just gonna like binge watch a new tv show or an old tv show that's familiar to me so it's it's really about scaffolding like okay these are all of the things that like help me log off help me fill myself and bring me joy in ways that are going to meet my energy level wherever i am and like this is that's stuff that i do for myself when not just when harassment is happening and like when I'm encountering that because that's overwhelming, but those 
mechanisms need to be in place for me well before that's happening. I need to be in a good place like already and like know that about myself and understand how to like deal with my brain when I'm not dealing with that stuff so that it's so easy to hop into when I'm not going through that. Um, Because I I mean, this Pride Month, I had like three or four things go viral. And one of them was because libs of TikTok found my my like very small TikTok account. And (laughs) and so like and And like, that was also a thing of like, okay, I'm just going to leave TikTok alone for the rest of the month. And like, I'm just going to focus on these other social media platforms because it's very, very rare that you're going to have harassment across all of your social media platforms all at once. But yeah, the harassment stuff is hard and you got to kind of like figure out how you want to deal with it on your own. But uh, for the most part, yeah, it's just kind of like logging off and making sure you can do things that are going to fill and like help you like emotionally combat it for yourself. And like, that's, that's the hardest part. Okay. So you talked about, we, I, we haven't even gotten to your podcast stuff yet, which is silly. Um, but you talked about uh, wanting to do theater for young audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever thought about what it would have been like for you as a kid? Had this existed for you as a kid or had somebody said, hey, let's talk about queerness. Um, and then you had this opportunity as a kid to like how that would have shaped or shifted your life in general um, to have done a lot of that big learning that you just described earlier. Yeah. I, I mean, I think about this all the time. I think most of my work, if not all of my work, is about my own inner child healing. Um, I make the work that I wish I had was as a kid and I am not a time traveler and I cannot make that happen. So the next best thing is for me to gift it to today's children. And it's been, it's been a really interesting thing because I've been doing work that's kid facing for a long time and only like in the past year or two, I've kind of shifted toward not like fully shifting my work toward being like parent and like adult and like educator um, focused. But I've kind of been like adding that on as a layer because I think that there's something to like, okay, maybe I would have been a little bit less confused about myself if I had had the language to describe who I am and how I felt at an earlier age. But who's to say that my parents would have understood how to use that information to help raise me? Because as almost whole, probably everyone listening to this and the, the two of us, I'm, I'm sure, um, we are growing up and grew up in an incredibly cis-centered, straight-centered world, white world, able world, Christian world, all of, et cetera, et cetera, all all of the above. And, you know, my parents, I, this is, this is always kind of like the interesting thing that I like to bring up because I, I grew up in New York City. I have liberal parents. My parents are quote unquote very accepting and always have been like my mom uh, has her MFA in acting and like grew up around a lot of theater people and you know that's that's all well and good but that didn't make my experience any easier you know like it didn't necessarily matter that my parents are and, st- and still are liberal and accepting and 
um, understanding. But it's so different to have a kid who is queer and trans and to raise them in a way that is affirming of that queer and transness because our world just is not built for that, does not teach us that. So even if I had the language and even if I had the content that I that I make now as a kid, I started to ask myself like, especially with all the anti-trans stuff going on and everything happening in the world right now, I, I was just kind of like, okay, like that's all well and great, but like, I guess, is it, even helpful if the parents aren't on board. And so I started, I started, I did my TED talk um, in 2019, um, which has kind of been like a really nice calling card for my work and, and the beginning of trying to um, translate my work for adults. Because I mean, the thing with queer kid stuff, it, is that I call it all ages work. It's not necessarily like preschool, a preschool web series, even though that's kind of how it presents itself. That's kind of like the facade of it. It's all ages work because it's it translates for toddlers, but it also translates for like great great grandparents. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. And and for and for adults too. Like I get I get messages from people in their twenties, in their thirties, in their fifties who are like I understand non-binary identity now because I watched your like gender series. And I thought that for a long time I kind of like thought that was enough. Um but I think the past couple of years, I mean, honestly, the past six years <laughs> have taught us or have taught me that it's, it actually isn't like I need to like, it needs to, it needs to be more clearly stated and like given like guideposts because those don't exist in our society right now. Those guideposts for how to, mm -hmm. how to encourage and raise and uplift queer, trans, and non-binary kids and their allies, because I think that that's an important part of it too, of like, this isn't just for, this isn't just resources for parents of queer, trans, and non-binary kids. This is, these are resources for every single parent, because a queer, trans, non-binary kid might even have like awesome uplifting affirming parents and like they might even like be doing all of their stuff that's awesome and great and living their perfect life out there but then they go to kindergarten and they start to encounter peers who've never understood that space and never understood these identities and so they have all this language and they have this upbringing that's awesome and great but you can't live in isolation like that or i mean some people do <laughs> and you can choose to for sure and that's a, that's a choice but like we do live in the world and we live in relationship with other people around us and i think that it's it's so important for just everyone <laughs> to access this work not just for the people it it like kind of like quote unquote immediately affects because it immediately affects everyone because these are human problems. Every human has some relationship to gender. Every human has some relationship to sexuality, whether they have it or not. And and that's also an important thing to understand. And you have to have all of that information. You have to have that context if you're going to be if we're going to be able to have liberation right? Like that's what all this is driving toward. And this is just like one puzzle piece to that. And it's, uh, it's been hard to get us there because of just everything in the way. And I mean, intersections of childism and like all, every other identifier and marginalization has just made it so much harder. And uh, we're just, we're seeing, we're seeing that happen in our politics right now. And that has been going on for a while.
in a big way right now in particular. Yeah. So I don't know. That was a big, long, rambly soapbox speech. It's totally okay. <laughs> um, Those are welcome. Uh, yeah, but that that's kind of like why I've started shifting a little bit more toward um, parent focused content um, through kind of like from the TED talk to the book that I've been writing for Macmillan that's going to come out in May of 2023 um, that ha I've been pouring just like a lot of myself into. And now kind of uh, an extension of that book is the podcast that has we've been able to start right now, which is great, um, and kind of been doing that leading up to the book and hopefully we'll also continue beyond um, the book as a as an extended resource and kind of like deeper dive. Does the book have a name yet? The book and the podcast share the same name, uh, Rainbow Parenting. That's what we're working with. Great. So tell us about the podcast then. We'll start there. And then I'll, and then I want to ask you about the other podcast. You have two podcasts. Yeah. So the podcast, we started it. We just, we very recently launched it, end of May 2022. Um, and we're doing weekly episodes right now. We're in the middle of our first season. And it's queer and gender affirming parenting and education strategies. I'm having conversations with experts in the field. So I'm talking to a lot of different people. I'm talking to parents I'm who are queer and trans. I'm talking to parents who have queer and trans kids and are kind of in the space. I'm talking to educators who are um, queer and trans themselves or are sex educators. Are, all this is kind of in early childhood spaces and like social justice and like liberation and like through a queer and trans lens. That's kind of like the sphere of the podcast. But I'm I'm really talking to a lot of different people, picture book authors, um, who else? Uh hopefully like pediatricians and like folks in the medical space. Hopefully people in like academia eventually. Hopefully I I've I've got a big long list of I'm sure guests. you do. I also have a long list. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's it's the thread that I'm going for is this, because there's this enormous grassroots community, right, that has been doing this work for a long time. And there are projects and organizations and people doing it in their local spheres. And there are people who are doing it in the most local sphere, which is their own families and communities. And there are so many different people who need to be represented and so many different ideas that need to be represented coming from so many different angles from education from healthcare from from family from uh, creative and like children's media which is kind of like where i come from so it's like a little bit from that lens too because i that's that's what i do in my expertise um but i'm also like learning so much about like trans fertility and like trans kids and I'm not an athlete I'm learning about trans kids in sports and like why people care about that so much right now and oh man it's it's been so I haven't felt this good about a project in a really long time this like feels like how I felt about queer kids stuff of like this is just like important work but is also like really joyful and like exciting like i get to talk to other people who are in my field and there it hasn't felt like there have been a lot of us and for a real like i felt alone in this work for a really really long time same um same 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 and it's i mean i think that the systems that we're up against are purposefully make it so we don't talk to each other purposefully make it so that we don't have things to build community around right and like uh, like from my experience with queer kids stuff like 
I mean, I had to shut down my comment section when I did have them up and, and running like anyone who would positively like comment about the series would immediately get dogpiled by all of my harassers. And so like it was incredibly difficult, difficult to build a community around my work. And I'm, I'm like slowly rebuilding that we have like a weekly newsletter, which has been great and a Patreon that has been really nice. And there've kind of been like different and different ways that we've started to kind of rebuild that community around queer kids stuff and around the work that we're doing. Um, but it's really, really difficult. And the communities that do exist are really disparate. Um, they don't talk to each other a lot. And I'm starting to see, I think like in this is this is an interesting thing that I've started to see happen is that communities are forming out of necessity because of the really intense um, targeting that's been happening around queer, trans and non-binary kids. And so before this year, I don't think I'd ever gotten a gig um, like a, a queer kid stuff, like live performance gig that was specifically for queer, trans and non-binary kids. And now that's like a huge thing that I've been getting, like most of the performances and, and gigs that I've been getting over the past like six or six months or so, a lot of them have been events that are specifically for queer, trans and non-binary kids. And that's been really cool. And I hadn't seen that before ever really. And outside of like school, like GSAs that are more kind of like in the tween teen space. Um, but it's been really exciting to see that shift toward community. And like, that's something that I love about podcasts is that they're so intimate and um, really good at community building. And there's a lot of infrastructure around community building with podcasts, which I think is really interesting. And is also a very big difference between um, making work that's kid facing versus work that's adult facing because kid facing this is getting into the nitty gritty of it a little bit, but like kid facing work analytics are just like out the window. They like don't, they like analytics and like data for kid facing work behaves just so differently than like adult facing content. So that's been, yeah. Um, cause, cause the YouTube channel for queer kids stuff has like 25,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel and over uh, we're getting close to 4 million views lifetime. For most channels on YouTube, that's flipped. So you would have closer to like 4 million subscribers and like, and way less views than that. So, huh. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. So I'm starting to like look at my analytics on on this podcast, this grown up facing podcast. And I'm like, oh my God, maybe my analytics will behave correctly. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. It would be nice. All of those like best practices like articles will like actually apply. <laughs> <laughs> so rainbow parenting, it sounds like it's going to be more um, real life how to really create an affirming environment for your kid. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's like practically like this step, this step, this step. It's uh, that's what the book is, um, is is goes through by like age, like these are the conversation you should be having about gender and pronouns with your toddler versus your preschooler. That's a little bit more prescriptive. Um, and that's because it's in a book format. Um, the podcast is really just conversations. It's conversations with experts like di 
diving deep on like, I just, we just put out the episode about trans kids in sports. And I talked to um, folks from Athlete Ally and um, Change of the Game documentary, both fantastic resources. And we talked about like, just like trans kids in sports, like, all of the questions you might think of when that topic comes up. And like, I'm not necessarily saying like, this is how you should handle like your trans kid in a, their after school sport. Like, no, we're talking about, we're talking about, you know, deconstructing how we think about gender in sports in the classroom. We're thinking about like, okay, like we're talking about this like high level legislation that's happening across the, across America, but we're also talking about like, okay, like how, is how, what is the functionality of gender in like children's locker rooms right now and like you know if you if you're a if you're a girl or even like a trans boy in a male dominated sport um like uh, contact no contact like you're going to be in like a, a cis male dominated locker room and like that has implications and like what does that look like in like like some kids are going to be great about it and like have your back and some people aren't and how does that play in with coaching and then how does that play in with you know following that sport up to more elite levels and but then also like there's just like my your trans kid like comes out as non-binary and loves playing with their friends on their soccer team and how do you deal with that on like like a really mundane level too so i'm really just like having a lot of different conversations with people who have a lot of experience in this and i hope that like i have enough expertise to ask the right questions that's that's really what the podcast is about is like me hopefully asking sort of the right questions to people who know a lot more about like very specific things within this yeah so that's that's kind of what we're we're getting at we're just like we're having conversations because i mean how many times have you heard two trans picture book authors talk to each other zero zero times exactly exactly so like my episode with kyle lukoff is like me and him are talking about craft and we're talking about like how we approach character and like what like when we're talking about like writing a picture book like as like trans people like we're coming up against a lot of stuff in the industry too and like i don't know that was that was i kyle's awesome <laughs> and that was a really really great episode to, like i'm just getting a lot out of these conversations but like i hope that like parents and educators and other people who want to write picture book books and like even i've heard i've gotten feedback on the podcast that people are listening to it with their like eight-year-olds and are like getting which which is awesome and like was not what i intended for the series but i also didn't intend for 20 and 30 year olds to get something out of queer kid stuff so i like i didn't intend for the podcast to be all ages it's supposed to be grown up facing but like it's not it's not explicit like all the language is clean and so like it, it i was i've been talking about this a lot recently actually of like what's the difference between approaching kid facing work versus adult facing work and like quote unquote for all of those things and for me it's really i'm really not approaching them any differently the biggest difference is that in adult kind of like facing content i'm just kind of like assuming that you have like a base level of knowledge about a bunch of things um and like that like when i'm doing like kid facing stuff especially kind of like 
preschool-ish targeted stuff. Like I'm really building those like foundational blocks. So I'm like really going in and getting as simple as possible with like the first couple of things that you need to understand to get to those higher levels. And so with the adult facing work, I'm like, okay, we can skip some of those steps. We can skip ahead and we can like get into something a little bit more complex with the assumption that you've like got an understanding of that already. And I mean, that's not necessarily true for all grownups, right? So I'm no, kind of like, not. yeah, so it, it's kind of like, okay, you can jump, like, hopefully you have uh, enough capacity and have been in the world and you understand how to learn things a little bit better than kids do, because that's learning how to learn is also a process. Um, and I think that like adults have hope most adults, especially if you're curious about this stuff, will hopefully like have been on that journey a little bit longer. Um, but for the most part, I'm really just kind of like assuming you have like a basic understanding of gender. And if you don't, go back and watch queer kid stuff. <laughs> and you'll and, and you'll get the foundational information that you need to be able to consume the kind of like quote unquote grown up facing work. Because all I'm doing is like assuming you have that foundation and now we can get more complex we can get more advanced and all complexity is is just layering those simple ideas on top of each other and making inferences and assumptions and interpretations of those layers and it becoming a bigger picture so like the puzzle pieces become become an image right like that's the complexity there but like the puzzle pieces are all the same between grown up and 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 kid facing work it's just like how you're zooming in and what you're assuming is already there in order to make whatever image you want so there isn't really i don't i really honestly don't approach them any differently it's just that assumption that's amazing well Lindsay, is there anything that you really want to make sure that parents really know or potential listeners are going to know like what's what do we really want to leave them with in that in that sense that this is like an ongoing project all of this and that like i'm not an expert either like i'm learning so so much from all the people that i'm talking to and all the people with separate expertise from mine and all the people who are tapped into different communities that i'm tapped into right and like people who are doing like legislative work versus people who are like in the classroom versus people who are doing work with their own child and their own family circles and there is just there are just so many different ways of looking at this and this is a community project like that's what's so exciting about rainbow parenting to me and the podcast is really taking that and saying okay we have this foundational knowledge and once the book comes out people will have that context but and we're also like trying to give some sort of guidebook to all of this right so that means you have to set something down but like really this is like ever evolving this is this is a continuum. This is a community space. This is something that we're all just figuring out in isolation and now hopefully in community with each other. And I think that it's important for parents to hear that conversation from me and Kyle and like understand like when you pick up Kyle's book, When Aiden Became a Brother, you can have that conversation in the back of your head and you can say, hey, these are actually some things that I heard in that conversation. You can talk to your kid about something that you heard in that conversation that will inform your reading of the book and will inform how they hear the story and can inform like, like this was written by a trans person. If you're trans or like you're, you're, 
friend your kid's friend is trans or your friend is trans if you're a trans person in your life somehow like they can make the connection from the book to that person and if they're trans too and they're reading a book by a trans author with a trans character they can say oh what do I want to be when I grow up? I want to be a picture book author. And those connections are all so important. And it's just about the like, the cycle, like the circle of all of those things feeding into each other. And the podcast is really a way to activate what the book is trying to do and activate for grown-ups what queer kid stuff is doing. These things are all in conversation with each other. And <sighs> yeah, it's just like trying to keep it flowing, right? And like activate the community, have something to build discourse on, and just like continuing that forward momentum that's that's happening and has been happening for decades, right? Um, but like bringing it into the current moment, it's all just continuing to build on each other and like build a body of work of this stuff right? Of queer kid stuff. And because a lot of it doesn't exist that should exist. And that has to do with just all the obstacles that we've been talking about. And it like, I mean, I've built a lot of my career off of spite. <laughs> <laughs> and every person who says no is just like another yes that I say to myself. And to my audience that I know wants this work desperately but it's just not being given to them in the spaces where they're looking for it yeah great and it's so valuable and so important and i can't wait till there's more than i mean i know there's more than two voices doing this work right now like me and you but um oh, yeah but i can't wait until there's like so many that it feels like a sea oh my gosh and and i wrote this in the book too of like i want a version of this book from someone from every different cultural and ethnic ba and racial background and like and identity like that's that's what we need like i need a version of this of this parenting book written by a black trans woman i want a version of the book written by a disabled like latine person i want a a version of the book written by written in chinese for someone in china like i want like an infinite number of versions of that book to help people coming from their own perspectives. Like I know that I'm a white person. I know that like I can use my whiteness to navigate these mainstream spaces to get at least my perspective out there that will hopefully serve as a helpful tool for some people to translate it into their own experiences and perspectives. I'm a creator. I'm a storyteller. Like that is first and foremost where all of this comes from for me. And all I want to do is tell my cute little queer trans stories for, for kids. <laughs> like I like I want to get my like animated family musical Disney movie made. Like yeah. I like I want to do that. Like I want my TV show happening. And like all of this other stuff is in service of like that being able to happen one day because the culture needs to shift like and and that doesn't happen without people pushing culture and and trying to make that shift happen for ourselves because it's not going to happen on its own because all these other people are making this ruckus that is making it so much harder for us to just survive and yeah. 
what's interesting is doing kind of like this larger system work. So as mostly as a creator, so going into mainstream children's television and writing non-binary characters and writing queer storylines and consulting on work and, and doing that, that's all really hard system changing work. And then the other side of what I do is community building is like is the podcast is I mean, the parenting book kind of straddles both the internal community work and the external systems work, they, they're conjoined, they're intertwined, they're working in tandem with each other to push each other forward. Like one, I don't think works without the other. And I think that there are people who specialize in one or the other. And I think that that's a choice that people make for sure. And there are experts in all of those spaces, which is why rainbow parenting is so special, I think, and why like podcasts like yours and like other people who are in kind of like the queer and gender affirming parenting and education space, uh, there needs to be more of this. Because there are so many people across all of those like strategies, right? For culture shifting. That's what we're all doing, right? We're just trying to magnify and like megaphone out these ideas to other people. And that's, that's how ideas spread is just by one person learning and then another person learning. I mean, that's how generational um, learning happens too. And like how literally we function as a species. So yeah. <laughs> totally. um, when we're talking about ancestry, we're, we're also talking about ancestral learning and we're talking about how we've survived as humans. And this is just another chapter in all of that. Yeah. Well, Linz, thanks so much. I appreciate all of the work that you're doing, all the work you have done. And I can't wait to, like, I can't wait for your book to come out. I can't wait for my parents, the parents that I work with, to have this book. I can't wait for it's. A, I'm so excited. I can't wait for it either. Book publishing takes a long time. And I like, I keep getting all these like DMs and like, like whenever I get DMs and, and emails and all this stuff being like, how do I do this? How, what does this word mean? What is this identity? I'm just kind of like, I wish I could give you my book. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be out there eventually. <laughs> publishing is slow. <laughs> yeah. I read something the other day that was like, writing a book is like telling a joke and then waiting three years to hear if it was funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I will say I I do have a version of it that's out to folks to blurb like those stupid little like your book is good for parents blah 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 um, so I am getting like a little bit of feedback on it so that's that's kind of nice well um, whenever it makes its way into the world I can't wait to have have it and share it and um, we'd love to have you back when it comes out oh my and you gosh, can yes. tell us more about it and push it again I would absolutely love to. In the meantime, listeners can find you at Rainbow Parenting or QueerKidStuff.com. Okay. Thanks so much, Linz. Thank you for having me. I hope today's episode helps you feel a little bit more confident about not only having these conversations with your young kids, but also gives you a little more footing as to why these conversations need to be had early. I'm so grateful for our little community. Thanks to Linz for sharing their time. And you can find more about Linz at QueerKidsStuff.com or listen to Activist You or Rainbow Parenting on any podcast streaming service. You can follow them on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook as Linz Amer. All of us here at Camp Wildheart, listeners, counselors, we're all here to support you. 
So don't be a stranger. You can reach out to us on Instagram as wild.heart.society. And we have a temporary home on Facebook for our community as a private group. Search for Camp Wild Heart Community and join us. If you've got a question you want to answer or a story you'd like to share about a beautiful moment with your own kid, don't hesitate to email us at camp at wildheartsociety.org. Thanks again for showing up here and for your kids. Be sure to subscribe for free to the podcast so you don't miss future campfires and give us a rating. Rating the podcast helps other people find us, and we want to make sure that anyone who needs us knows there's a bunk for them at Camp Wild Heart.